Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. It is Monday, October 9th, 2017, and we are entering week six already somehow of the NFL season. Uh, Josh, pretty crazy weekend, a lot of injuries, unfortunately. What were some of your takeaways from what we saw on Sunday? Uh, my biggest takeaway is that apparently they don't have any calcium in <laughs> New York because everybody's breaking the same bone, so... That, that, that's my biggest takeaway. Also, you know, you, you take a look at some of these teams that we didn't know about, like the Bills and the Rams. They're kind of maybe coming back down to earth a little bit. But injuries and the evening of the playing field, I suppose. You know, you talk about the Rams, and, and really we talked about it. I, I Did you pick the Rams this week? I did. Okay, so did I, right? So they lose 16-10 to Seattle, and we'll get more in depth as we hit, you know, through all these games. But I give the Rams credit. They were down 16-10. They drove the length of the field. And if not for – I don't want to call it a drop, but Cooper Cup was an mm. inch from catching a game-winning touchdown pass, or at least a game-tying, depending on the extra point. And then the Rams ultimately fall in the next play. Uh, I thought the Rams really showed, though, that they can play with Seattle. They, they weren't overmatched. Mm. And they, they've played them well anyway throughout the years, even with Jeff Fisher. But this felt like a more legitimate, hey, this isn't a fluke. They can play with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right with the Giants. Look, it goes from b- horrifically bad to somehow even worse than that. Odell Beckham Jr. out for the year. Sterling Shepard, Brandon Marshall, they're going to be uh, missing some time with ankle injuries. Uh, and now they go to Denver, where they would have had a hard time scoring anyway. I don't know if the Giants are going to score a point, but we'll get to that game in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, let's, let's start out here with a little bit of a look at the standings. We're third of the way through the year. The Chiefs are the only undefeated team. They're 5-0. and mm-hmm. The only other team in the AFC that has one loss or less is Denver. Denver to buy this week, so they're 3-1. and one. They're a game and a half back at Kansas City in the AFC West. Everybody else has at least two losses. The NFC, you've got the Packers at 4-1. and one. You've got the Panthers at 4-1. and one. Atlanta's 3-1 and one, coming off its bye. You have Philly at 4-1. And one. and is that it? Are those, the only, those are the four teams with one mm-hmm. loss or less. So you have six teams right now with either no losses, Kansas City being the only one in that department, or five teams with one loss. So it's you know, we've seen a couple teams kind of rise above, but then there's a lot of teams in that three and two to two and three mix. And, you know, we're going to have to see which teams can emerge from that tonight. Obviously doing this on a Monday afternoon, as we always do, uh, Minnesota plays at Chicago, Minnesota two and two coming into the game. The Bears one and three, Mitchell Trubisky getting his first start. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but the Vikings have an opportunity here to, to win a game and, and climb up. That all said, look, let's dive right in to the week six games. And the first game is a very interesting game. Thursday night football, Philadelphia at Carolina. Both teams, again, four and one going into the game. Uh, the Panthers favored by the customary field goal for the home team. So Vegas sees it as dead even. What do you see about this game? 
I'm wondering at what point do we have to give the Panthers some credit? Because I was watching the game yesterday against Detroit, and they beat a really good team because Detroit's good, and I don't want anybody saying, oh, yeah, but they went and they beat the Lions. Matthew Stafford and the Lions were a really good team. The, the Panthers, it reminded me of 2015 when they were going 15-1 and one and they were unstoppable, and no matter every time they won, it was just like, well, Cam Newton's not legit. The defense is now nah, whatever. Are we really going to invest that much in Riverboat Ron? And they went all the way to the Super Bowl. Now, that's when they decided to, you know, crap the bed. But the point being, the Panthers were a legitimate team the entire year. Nobody ever gave them credit. Now they've beaten New England and they've beaten Detroit, both on the road in back-to-back weeks. Cam Newton's looked good. The defense has looked all right. It's getting better. I think that it's, you know, now time to take the Panthers a little bit seriously. They're 4-1 at the top of the uh, NFC South. Who knows what's going on with Atlanta? They had a bye last week, so, like, Denver, they're a game and a half behind. Or a half a game behind, not a game and a half. But Carolina's legit to me. Also, Philadelphia. What the heck? <laughs> Carson Wentz decided to turn into Joe Montana yesterday. <laughs> you know, we thought that the Cardinals were garbage, but this is all of a sudden a really, really intriguing game to me. And if you would have asked me before week one who wins, I would say I don't care. Now I say I don't know because they're both really good. Yeah, no, I, I echo your sentiment, Joy, all the way across the field. Look, uh, Stafford got sacked six times yesterday by Carolina. Mm. And Newton, I've been a harsh critic of him. I've always felt he's not an accurate passer, which he hasn't been throughout his career, under 60% on his completion rate. But give him credit against Detroit yesterday. Detroit is a better secondary than most people realize. You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you, and all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions, plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Newton was able to tear him up pretty good, 26-33, 355, three touchdowns. Uh, you don't, you're not going to have a much better day than that. And Ed Dixon... The immortal addiction with five <laughs> catches for 175 yards in the game. Uh, I don't think that's going to be replicated very often, but still, give them credit. Look, Carolina is a really good defense. Okay, I think it's, you know top five, top at least top eight in the NFL. Uh, my my only concerns really with Carolina right now are it is a tough division, so I, I you know you get beat up a little bit there. Not mm-hmm. that that's their fault, obviously, but yesterday they ran the ball 28 times for 28 yards. Uh, they typically are a good rushing team, so I'm not reading too much into that. But, you know, the Panthers, I do think they have to run the ball well because most weeks Newton's not going to throw for 300 yards as he, to his credit as he has the last couple. Philadelphia, i got to be honest, I thought Philadelphia was going to be right around a 500 team this year, uh, clearly better than I expected. I thought they'd be good defensively, but I didn't trust the offense. Well, the offense looks terrific. Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. another 300-yard day, four touchdowns. Uh, Nelson Aguilar starting to look like a real player at 93 yards and a touchdown yesterday. Torrey Smith at 70 yards and a touchdown. Of course, acquired him, brought him over from the Niners in the offseason. I think the Eagles are the best team in that division. Oh, yeah. And I think this is going to be a very good game on Thursday night. I am going to take Carolina only because I think they're very evenly matched, but it's a short week and Carolina's at home. And so I'm going to take the Panthers. But frankly... Either way, it could go certainly go either way. This is going to be a very good game on Thursday. Oh yeah, I agree. And just to tie a bow around Ed Dixon, what is it, 175? 170, 175. Yeah. 175 yards, which is more than his last three years. The totals that he got, he got 134 yards last year, receiving 121, 115 in 2014. So in one day, he's 
basically outdid himself for the last three years. But yeah, the point about Ed Dixon is more interesting because Cam Newton has decided to turn this offense into something that it's not. And last year, really this has been a question since 2015. It's like, who does he throw to? You know, Calvin Benjamin was hurt last year or something like that. But Philadelphia is going to figure out a way to win this game. Certainly could happen. Uh, I think it might be the most evenly matched game of the week. Uh, and, and then, look, we move to the Sunday games. Bears at, at the Ravens. Uh, of course, again, we don't know what the Bears are going to do on Monday night. Uh, but they go into Baltimore. Baltimore coming off a big win, 30-17, to over the Derek Carlos Raiders. Uh, Baltimore's favored by a touchdown in this game. I'll get right to it. I don't think Baltimore's offense is any good. The Raiders' defense is simply so bad that – the Ravens were able to score 23 offensive points. They got a, they got a return on a scooping score mm-hmm. uh, to add the other touchdown. But, like, I think the Ravens are going to win the game. They're a good team typically at home. Uh, the, the Bears are a team trying to find themselves, trying to, get, trying to really, you know, figure out exactly what's what here moving forward with Trubisky. Uh, I, I am going to take the Ravens. Um, I don't, I'm not going to take them to cover because I just don't think the Ravens score a lot of points. But I do think they're going to win. Um, and the Ravens all of a sudden – Three and two, and like I'm not a big Ravens fan. I I think defensively they're a good team, but offensively they just they scare me to death uh, in a bad way. But I I, I think three and two, they're tied atop the division. And Pittsburgh, we're going to get to here in a little bit, not exactly a picture of dominance. (laughs) Okay, so that division, like somehow Cincinnati's a game back and like alive and fairly well all of a sudden. So uh, a lot to parse through, but. I like the Ravens. I like the Bears to cover, but I think the Ravens' defense will handle business at home against the Bears. Yeah, if this was at Soldier Field, I might lean more towards the Bears just because of how well they played against Atlanta, and then they beat Pittsburgh. And this is something weird about playing at home for Chicago, I guess, this year. But it's on the road, so I'm going to go with Baltimore. And I agree with you on basically all your points. You know, the offense is it's, it's all right, but the Raiders' defense, we've said it since the preseason. They've got Khalil Mack and about 10 road cones. And that secondary is horrible. And we saw that right off the bat on, on Sunday afternoon when Joe Flacco is just going deep and hitting everything. And the Raiders just decided to not cover anybody. Well, it, was, it was outrageous. And, and we'll get to the Raiders side of that in a minute. But here, again, like Mike Wallace, he's done virtually nothing all year, as has Macklin, as has Paramount. The three of them, I think, going into the game combined for, I, I believe it was 21 catches. Some ridiculous, I, I think Wallace at 10, Macklin at 9, something like that, and, and Perriman at 2. And in this game, the Ravens targeted Mike Wallace three times, and he had three catches for 133 yards. Are the Raiders unaware that he's the deep threat? Like, literally, the only thing the guy can do is run a nine route straight down the field, and the Raiders just could, couldn't be bothered to cover. They put Sean Smith on him. Sean Smith runs, I, I would be willing to bet if you put Sean Smith on a 40-yard dash right now, he'd run about a 4-8. So maybe not the best idea to put him on, on uh, mm-hmm. Wallace. Look, but getting back to the Ravens, give Flacco credit. He was efficient in the game. He wasn't great, but 19-26, 222 yards, no picks. He wasn't sacked in the game. So the offensive line, Sands, Marshall, Yonda still held up. The Ravens have been besieged by injury this year, okay? But they're able to get the job done, 143 yards and a couple of touchdowns on the ground. So Baltimore, I think, continues to get right, get healthy a little bit. They come home. Uh, I think they'll. I think they'll beat the Bears, like you said. If it was in Soldier Field, I'd be a little bit, you know, more on the fence. But being that it's at M&T Bank, uh, I, I think the Ravens will get the four and two. Yeah, look, I'm not a big believer that the Ravens are going to somehow climb out of the AFC North, and if they do, I think they're going to be a quick out in the playoffs. But hey, they're exciting, and Joe Flacco is doing the right thing. So when we talked last week how much money the Raider, uh, the Ravens are on the hook for him for the next 
like three, four, five years. So at least he's making it interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, staying with uh, an AFC North team, the Browns, who Oof. are 0-5 and, and, and lost to the Jets at home, uh, they go to Houston this weekend, and the Texans are favored by 9.5 points. Mm. The Texans coming off of what was a fairly wild loss to Kansas City, 42-34 on Sunday Night Football. But look, forget the loss. The, the real issue is you now are without J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless for the year. Mm-hmm. Merciless tears the pectoral muscle. He's going to go on IR per the head coach, Bill O'Brien. J.J. Watt, he breaks uh, a bone in his knee, uh, the tibial plateau, I believe it's called. He's out for the season. So now you went from having a very ferocious front seven to having Jadavian Clowney and a bunch of question marks. Brian Cushing still suspended for another couple months. Uh, I think Houston's going to win this game because I think Cleveland is the biggest mess in football, mm-hmm. which seems to be a running theme for 20 years now. Uh, but what, what is Houston going forward? I don't know. Everyone's going to point and say, well, Deshaun Watson threw five touchdowns last night. Well, look. Anyone who watched the game saw Deshaun Watson struggle pretty significantly through three quarters. And then when they got down by 19 points, he racked up an extra 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns. I think Watson has a ton of potential, but I don't think he's ready to carry the mail yet for that team. They needed that defense to still be the stronger part of the, of the equation. Now losing those two guys, I'm not sure if that's possible, but I do think Houston wins and probably wins pretty big against Cleveland at home. Yeah, there was a lot of garbage time stats for Deshaun Watson yesterday. We kind of talked about it during the game, too, how there were some good throws that he made before the garbage time came around, but he's not really there where he's able to lead the Texans. Like, yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves in saying that he's the next coming of the next great Texas quarterback, you know, because everybody got all up on Dak Prescott last year, who kind of had a similar rise in that he was really impressive against good teams. But the difference here is, like you said, J.J. Watt being out, how does that not only affect the defense as far as talent is concerned, but how does that just affect the, affect the mentality of the team? Because now you are down your leader. Like, J.J. Watt, is the, he is the Houston Texans. And for years, when they were trotting out garbage quarterbacks for Bill O'Brien, it was J.J. Watt and the Houston Texans. Now it's Deshaun Watson and, like you said, I don't know what. I don't know what the Texans are. And all of a sudden, this changes things in a big way in the AFC South, especially with the way that we saw that the Jacksonville Jaguars went up to Pittsburgh and played, what are they? So the, all of a sudden this changes a lot of things, and I just don't think that the Houston Texans have what it takes to get past this injury because that defense was so crucial to making that thing work, and now that's gone. And Deshaun Watson, I don't know, I don't know how that affects him. But, yeah, look, they couldn't have gotten a better matchup to come off that than playing the Browns, who are my biggest disappointment of the year. I had a lot of hope for them. I had invested some, you know, real time into thinking that they're going to be something with all the young players that they have, and Hugh Jackson just can't figure it out. And I don't know if that's Hugh Jackson's fault. I don't know if there's problems with the front office and the coaching staff, if the players aren't listening. Like, I don't know, but maybe the universe just hates Cleveland. Well, that's I think the universe certainly hates Cleveland. No, I, I mean, all, all kidding aside, look, first off with Houston, I just looked it up real quick. Once Houston was down 39-20 and that game was over on Sunday night, Watson went out and threw for 109 of his 261 yards. So before that, he threw for 152 yards and he was completing less than half his passes. Now, the Chiefs this year have held teams to a, a best of 51, uh, a 51% completion rate. So that's not to say, you know, Watson's a bad quarterback or anything, but looking at his numbers, you'd say, wow, he played great. Well, he really did not do much in that game. In fact, Houston really is going to have to run the ball 
much more because they ran the ball well against a good Kansas City team, 144 yards on the ground, 6.3 yards in attempt. I'd like to see Deonta Foreman get some more carries. He's a bowling. So as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush out for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. He is very tough to take down. But yes, uh, we know, I think, what Houston is at this point. They're a team that, offensively for once, I think they've got some Jews. Defensively now, can they hang on without Watt and Merciless? I think it's a much different looking unit. Uh, Mike Vrabel and Romeo Cornell are going to have to figure that out. As far as Cleveland goes, I, I went on a tirade about them here two weeks ago. I'll just say this. I think Hugh Jackson is a smart guy, mm-hmm. but something's got to give here. I mean, we've reached the point where you're 0-5. You got blown out by the Colts. You looked absolutely awful against the Jets. And, and not because you couldn't move the football, but because you had – Two turnovers mm-hmm. in the red zone. You missed two field goals. And what are we doing, Benson Deshaun Kaiser? I, I just don't understand. What is the plan for this team? You draft this kid in the second round. You, you thrust him out on the field saying, look, we're going to ride with him. This is it. If you do that, you need to play him all 16 games. That's it. You can't yo-yo this kid, and all of a sudden now he's 8-17 for 87 yards and a pick, and you're going to yank. Look, he's been bad this year. There is no way around it. Deshaun Kaiser has been probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL this season. But the idea that Cleveland is going to be cured of all of its ills by benching Deshaun Kaiser is insane. And yes, I know Kevin Hogan. He went 16-19, a buck 94, two touchdowns and a pick yesterday. And that's great. The reality of it is Kevin Hogan's not the answer. Kevin Hogan's not your future. The Chiefs drafted him last year. They cut him after training camp despite being a fifth-round pick. You know, and look. He might be end, end up being a good backup. Maybe he even turns into a guy like Trevor Simeon. But what, what does that get you? Unless you have Denver's defense, it doesn't get you much. Okay, Trevor Simeon on the Browns would lead them to about three wins. So I don't understand. Like, where do you go from here now? Now Kaiser's on the bench. His development stunted. He's pissed off. You saw him, in the, if you didn't see him in the press conference after the game, was somewhat throwing his teammates under the bus. It's ugly. And at 0-5, look, I get it. They're a rebuilding team. You've got to win a game. You've got to win a game. You've got to do something. They are now 1-20 and 20 since Hugh Jackson's been there. And you'll get the schedule. Where are they winning a game? At Houston, they're not winning that game. Home to the Titans, if Matt Castle played, maybe, probably not, though. I don't see him winning that game. Minnesota, they're not going to beat. At the Lions, they're not going to beat. Maybe Blake Bortles gift wraps him one. At the Bengals, at the Chargers, the Packers. I mean, good luck. Good luck. They're maybe winning two games this year. And I, I get it's a rebuilding, but at some point, you have, to, you have to win. You have to do something. And if you can't beat the Jets at home, give the Jets credit. They've played their butts off all year long. The fact they're 3-2 is nothing short of a miracle. But if you're, if you're even a, a respectable team, you've got to win a game. I mean, that's, I agree with all those points there. It's just, the, the Browns are just frustrating to watch. And they've been, you know – perpetually rebuilding since 1999 when they came back like they made the playoffs what one year with Kelly Holcomb and that was that's basically the Browns in a nutshell the only time they've ever been good it was because Kelly Holcomb was the quarterback like come on and my, my problem and my fear here with Cleveland 
is that this is a cycle that we've seen how many different times over the years, and it just repeats itself. It's rinse and repeat for the Browns. Things are going bad. Got quarterback questions. You don't trust the head coach. You clean house and you restart. I mean, they drafted Deshaun Kaiser last year. I would not be surprised at all if they fire Hugh Jackson, hire a quarterback, quote unquote, quarterback guru head coach, and then draft another quarterback high and waste a pick in the first round, taking one of these guys that are coming out like Josh Rosen or something like that. It's it, it this is it's an endless cycle for Cleveland, and like you said, something's got to give. It has to change, and, but now it's getting into a kind of a diseased situation where Kaiser's throwing guys under the bus. Now you've got problems in the locker room, and once that happens, like I don't, you have to like cleanse it, and that's not what they should be doing. So it's just a lost. It's cause. time to open up the checkbook and get somebody in there who's significant, mm-hmm. both as a GM. Because also, I'm done with Sashi Brown as well. Done. Okay. Everybody talks about how smart they are. They have all these draft picks. What does it ever turn into? They stink. I mean, that's all fine and well. But your draft picks are useless if you draft guys who can't play. Look, everybody who listens to this, I'm sure, is well aware I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I've been since 1993, okay, when I was five years old. I've gone through plenty of years with the Chiefs where they would stockpile draft picks and then draft Trezell Jenkins. And you're probably asking yourself, who the hell is Trezell Jenkins? That's exactly my point. Last year, the Chiefs went into the draft with 10 picks. They ended up making six selections. They traded up. You know they traded up for? Kareem Hunt. Good teams draft good players. You don't need 30 picks to do that. And the Browns, year after year, take guys who can't play. And by the way, speaking of the Chiefs, actually, the Browns, they traded Cam Irving away to the Chiefs for a fifth-round pick next year because everybody and their mother thinks Cam Irving stinks. Well, you know what? He went to the Chiefs, and he started at right guard last night. Cam Irving looked pretty damn good. Who's that an indictment of? Leave it at that. Okay? (laughs) Next game, go to the NFC side of things. Detroit at the Saints. The Saints actually favored by four in this game. Vegas giving no respect to the Lions. Uh, interesting game. Saints coming off a bye. They're 2-2. Two and two. They've won their last two games. They beat up on Carolina at Carolina, giving them their only loss of the year. Then went out and did something nobody thought was possible. They, they performed a shutout. They actually got a shutout against the Dolphins, uh, who we'll get to that uh, coke fuel disaster in a minute. But listen, this is a game. I, I really don't know where to go with this game. Uh, I, I think it's a fairly evenly matched game that being that it's in the Superdome if it was in Detroit I'd, I'd take Detroit I, you know the Saints coming off a bye I, I, I kind of like the Saints to win this game I, I think the Saints are going to find a way to get to three and two and and really that's not a knock on Detroit because I like Detroit a lot but I, I think this is a tough spot for the Lions to walk into yeah Detroit is probably the most underrated team in the NFC I think and that's been the case for a while and I said that last week but you know <clears throat> they can come out and really rebound from that loss to the Panthers last week with a win against against an all-right Saints defense. I mean, it's not great, but I'm looking at the points uh, against. It's only 78, and that defense isn't that bad, but it's also not great. And they also pitched a shutout against Jay Cutler and the Dolphins. So that, while it was a shutout and it was good, and they went over to London and did it, so you had all that kind of different factor going into it, it was the Dolphins. So I'm not really going to put a whole lot of faith in that. But I think that we're going to find out more about the Saints in this game than we are than the Lions. I think we know what the Lions are at this point. They're going to have some hiccups this season. They always do. I think they're going to be in the thick of the NFC North division title race as we get towards the end of the season. I think for the Saints and that NFC South, the way that things are bouncing this year with the Bucks losing and the Falcons maybe not, we don't know what they are. They were off last week. We have to see what they have in the tank now. That's a winnable division, and the Saints are 2-2. Two and two. 
If they win this game, they're right back in the thick of things. After everybody making fun of him the first couple weeks of the season for not having that good of a defense, maybe this is end of the Drew Brees era, Sean Payton better update the resume. All of a sudden, they're back in the conversation. So I think there's more on the line for the Saints this week. I'm still taking the Lions just because I think they're the better team. But I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton and Drew Brees see this as like one last chance to really get back into the race. And, you know, it's at home, so strange things happen in the Superdome. Fair enough. I will take the Saints. Uh, wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, very similar, really, to the Panthers and the, and the Eagles. I, I just, I think, I'm taking the home team. I think the home team finds a way. Plus, Saints coming off the bye. I just think they, you know, they might be a little fresher. Um, look, now, going, staying in the NFC, and in, the, in Detroit's case, staying in the NFC North, the Packers at the Vikings, there's no line for the game yet since Minnesota plays Monday night. Uh, this is an interesting game. Look, I don't know what to make of Minnesota other than the fact they have a good defense, a very good defense. Dalvin Cook, of course, out for the year. It's a mm-hmm. killer. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs have been really good this season. Uh, you know, if Sam Bradford is playing in the game, obviously that's a big bump up. The, the Packers' secondary is awful. But the front seven's not bad, and the offense is ridiculous simply because number 12 is back there running the show. Uh, I'll be right to the point with this. I'm going to take the Packers just simply because of Aaron Rodgers. They, they had every reason to lose against Dallas, and it didn't matter because Aaron Rodgers just threw the ball down. the And he only threw for, I think, 221 in the game. It wasn't like he threw for 400. But when they needed him to throw the ball, they found a way to get the job done. I think the Packers will go in there and win because, to be very blunt right now, I think they're the best team in the NFC – 95% of that reasoning being because of solely because of Aaron Rodgers. I'm actually going to go with the Vikings on this one. I think uh, the difference between the Dallas game and what's going to happen in Minnesota on Sunday is the defense. Minnesota's defense is much better than Dallas's defense. And I think yes, that if you get into that similar situation, now I don't know, I'm not factoring in the offense in Sam Bradford. I'm just saying if you're in that situation, a minute, 13 seconds left on the clock, and Aaron Rodgers has to go basically the length of the field in Minneapolis in a hostile crowd that hates him and <laughs> wants very bad things to happen to him and his family, and a defense that is much better in a secondary with Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes, I think that that's a much different outcome. Like, they, they cut through the Cowboys' secondary like a hot knife and butter. Like, it was bad. And then you give Aaron Rodgers two, at the minimum, two shots at the end zone within 20 yards of the goal line. Come on, he's not going to miss twice let alone the third time. So you know, he got it on the second time. So I think that the Vikings, if that offense can operate the way it has been, Lions game aside because the Dalvin Cook injury, it's been really good at home. So I want to see how Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, uh, Jarek McKinnon, and Latavius Murray, who are both going to be replacing Dalvin Cook, and God, if Stephen Ridley sees the field because <laughs> they signed him this week. Um, I think that that offense might be able to get the job done. And this could be the start of a shift in power where the Vikings offense was really, really good the first couple of weeks of the season. And the defense was good, but it was kind of an afterthought with Sam Bradford and this offense playing phenomenally well. I think it shifts now to where the offense gets the job done, but the defense closes. It's now the defense is the main part of this team with Dalvin Cook out. And what a game to make a statement in than against the Green Bay Packers at home to be like, look, we're still on track. This season's still going to go the way we want it to go. There's nothing to worry about. And, you know, steal a phrase from Aaron Rodgers, relax, Vikings fans. It's going to be okay. So I've got Minnesota. Well, uh, it's going to be – we've seen already as we've gone through these games, there's going to be a lot of tight games. I Mm -hmm. think this is another one. I will just – I take the Packers again simply because 
Rodgers covers up for so many other deficiencies on Green Bay's team. If, mm. if Rodgers went out for a yeah. month, the Packers, I don't think, would win a game. But he's so good. He's the most talented, just pure talent quarterback I've ever seen. I would say I think Tom Brady's a better quarterback overall. I'd say Peyton Manning, I think, was a better quarterback overall. But in terms of just raw ability, I, I don't think I've ever seen a guy who has the toolbox that Aaron Rodgers has. So... I'll take Aaron Rodgers. I don't trust the Vikings offense. Uh, and also, frankly, because I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Mm. So, yeah, factor that in. Um, look, ne- next game, Miami at the, at the Falcons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, there's a lot to unpack here. All right, so the Falcons are at home. They're favored by 10.5 points. The Dolphins, air quotes, beat Tennessee on Sunday in a game that set football back 50 years. <laughs> um, the, the, obviously, Marks Mario didn't play in the game. Jay Cutler technically played in the game. He went 12 of 26 for 92 yards, a touchdown, and a pick for a QBR of 6.5, which, if you're wondering, the scale's from 1 to 100. And you're probably guessing this, but 1 is the worst. Okay? The Dolphins are, are awful. The Dolphins are a bad football team. Everybody, I think, expected more out of them this year because they went 10-6 and six last year. The Dolphins started out 1-4 last year and then beat a bunch of teams who stunk. And when they played one good team in that stretch down the end, they played the Ravens. They got their doors blown off mm-hmm. and then went into Pittsburgh and got hammered, granted, with Matt Moore and not Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Jay Cutler's been bad this year. He's getting worse. It, he looks disinterested, but that's nothing new. They're 2-2, two and two, but they're not good. They are about as soft a two and two as you can get. And so now they go to Atlanta without their offensive line coach because their offensive line coach <laughs> had a video released of him by a woman uh, released this video which showed him snorting powder, white powder. Uh, there, There's a lot of uh, alleged you know, innuendo that it was cocaine. Um, now... The, the coach, Chris Forster, he's already resigned. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a rough moment for the Dolphins. Uh, obviously, on a serious note, I, I hope Forster just, just gets, the, gets the help he, he needs and, and, and you know, can, can stop using what he was using in that video, which, again, we don't know if it was cocaine, but it was, it was, fairly, it was fairly blatant as to what was going on. So uh, not, not great what's going on for the Dolphins right now. They're bad. They don't have an offensive line coach. They've got this distraction. And now they go to Atlanta, who just lost to the Bills and is coming off a bye week and is at home. I'm taking the Falcons to not only win this game, but to win by a, a wide margin. Yeah, the, the, the Falcons definitely get back on track in this game. And just to the point about the coach and all the things that are happening in Miami, the ramifications of this, I don't know, I guess you could call it scandal if you wanted to, uh, what that does to the mentality of the team, which is already the mentality of the team is in the, in the gutter. Okay, this Jake Cutler is your quarterback. The offense can't get anything going. The defense is putrid. This is a bad, bad situation for the Dolphins. And I was just kind of talking with people watching the games the other day offhandedly. Like, at what point do you start to maybe be like, you know what, Adam Gase, what are you doing here? Like, I'm not saying that he's going to get fired because of any of this. I don't think that the Jake Cutler thing – ends with Adam Gaze leaving with Jay Cutler, but I think that this is an indictment of his decision-making. And I think that the next time something like this comes around, they're going to go, oh, yeah, we're going to listen to the guy who decided to pay Jay Cutler $10 million to you know, go out, and, <laughs> out in formation and put his hands on his hips. 
So at some point, this falls back on Adam Gaze, and I don't think that he is exonerated because Ryan Tannehill tore up his knee before the season, and all of a sudden that's some kind of free pass that the team gets. Um, I think that they're going to get waxed in Atlanta. It's not going to be good. And honestly, I think that at the best, this team is 1-3 in, in spirit because they should have lost that first game against the Chargers. Say what you will about the Titans game. I guess they won that one, maybe, because Matt Castle was... Nobody won that game. Somebody just lost it more, and that happened to be Tennessee. Yeah, right. I'll gift them that game. But that makes them 1-3 at the best. So after this weekend, when they get just blitzed by Atlanta, they'll be 1-4 in my mind. And that's not, that's not getting it done. And say what you will about the record. Say what you will about the AFC East, or the AFC East being winnable this year. The Dolphins are a joke. And if you're talking about teams that might have high draft picks that are going to want to go grab a quarterback, Dolphins, they're rising on the charts for me in my mind. By the way, let's just, let's just put this to bed here with the Dolphins, okay? They're 2-2 two and two right now. Here are, their, here are their road games the rest of the year. The Falcons, the Ravens, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Bills, the Chiefs. Good night. They're lucky if they win one of those mm-hmm. games, okay? They are going to get – and they get the Bills and the Chiefs in late December in two cold weather areas, and then they get New England November 25th. Uh, I would be shocked if they win more than one of those games. And they don't have a bye the whole year because of, unfortunately, what happened with Hurricane mm-hmm. uh, Irma in, in Florida. So uh, a, a tough go-ahead for the Dolphins. And by the way, the AFC East is not winnable unless you're New England. Okay, let's just, <laughs> let's just put that uh, in proper perspective. So speaking of the AFC East, Pats are playing at the Jets this week. <laughs> Somehow... Both these teams are three and two. Now the Pats are favored by nine and a half on the road. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to go through this game without giving the Jets a lot of credit. I, I don't know if I went on record on this podcast, but I certainly did to many people just talking and, and whatnot. I, I didn't think the Jets were going to win more than one or two games this year. Uh, I didn't think they'd go on sixteen, but I didn't think they'd win more than a game or two. The Jets have shown heart. They've shown moxie. They've yeah. played hard. You know, they've done so without any, any real discernible talent offensively. Jamal Adams looks like a superstar safety. I, I loved him coming out of college. I thought he was the safest pick in the draft last year. I still feel that way. I give Todd Bowles and the Jets a ton of credit. I honestly think that Todd Bowles deserves an extension off of the way this team's played. I don't care if they don't win another game. They have they, Nobody thought this team was going to win more than a couple of games this year. And here they are, three and two. Now, do I think the Jets are making the playoffs? No, I don't. I don't think the Jets are winning more than five games, maybe six. But you know what? That's a hell of a lot better than going one and fifteen. I know a lot of Jet fans are probably wincing, saying, "My God, we're, we're blowing our opportunity to get a quarterback." Look, you know what? In the immortal words of Herm Edwards, who actually said this as the Jets head coach, <laughs> "You play to win the game." None of those players, none of those coaches, are thinking about tanking to get a draft pick. And I give the Jets a lot of credit for playing as hard as they have. All that being said, they are going to get earholed in a vicious <laughs> fashion this weekend. New England has major issues defensively. Okay, we'll get to Tampa Bay, your Tampa Bay Bucks here in a minute. Tampa Bay had every opportunity to be. If Tampa Bay could have kicked a field goal, they would have beaten New England. Okay, by the way, Tampa Bay just signed the kicker, Patrick Murray, previously of the Saints and Browns. So that happened like five minutes ago, but he's now a Buccaneer. Um, New England has real defensive issues. Mm-hmm. Offensively speaking, New England can score points. Okay, they're going to put up 27, 30 points in this game, and the Jets are, are not going to do that. So give me New England on the road, but I commend the Jets for playing their butts off all year long 
and really making people maybe take a second glance at who they are. The Jets, I just looked this up quick. The Jets are the only team in the NFL with a winning record that their uh, points for points against ratio is actually against them. They've given up 106 points and have only scored 92 points this year and somehow are three and two. So that, to your point about Todd Bowles, just wow, the, what a phenomenal job he's done with a team that everybody wrote off. We made fun of them in, in the preseason. We said it's going to be the Jets and the Bills tanking for the top pick. And now both of those teams are three and two. The Jets, I don't think that they're going to the playoffs. I do agree with you that they're going to get blitzed against New England this weekend. Uh, but again, I just whenever the Patriots and the Jets get together, it's not necessarily the same as it was when the Jeff Fisher Rams got together with the Seahawks and you got in those nine, six battles and somehow the Rams win. I think that the Jets are going to play this one tough. They're going to play them close, but I think this is another game where the, uh, the Patriots just figure it out at some point in the game. It's going to be Tom Brady winning this one in the defense. I don't think that we're going to have any more confidence in the defense next week than we do right now, which is actually going to be more of an indictment because the Jets and the Buccaneers, those offenses, not the same thing. And I think the defense is going to perform exactly the same in they're going to allow like the Buccaneers. They lost that game. The Patriots defense did not beat them. And I think that this is going to be the inverse. It's going to be the same thing where the Jets, they're going to lose the game. Josh McCown is going to lose the game. And somehow everybody's going to come out of it saying, oh, Matt Patricia's finally figured it out. Two good weeks for him. Two wins in a row for the defense. And it's going to be a case where the Jets lost the game. And it's just going to be a wake-up call later in the year. But I'm with you 100%. All the praise in the world to the Jets and Todd Bowles for doing what they're doing. And for, to Jets fans who are upset that they're not tanking, Really? You'd rather have them tank? Like, I've seen Jets fans all over, the, all over Twitter being like, I can't believe we're tanking wrong. It's like, really? You want to watch that? They're at least interesting. The, the Browns have been tanking for 20 years. Okay? <laughs> 20 years, Browns have been tanking. And by the way, if you're a Jet fan, there's a good chance you're a Nick Dan. How's, how's tanking been going over at the Garden? Okay? <laughs> I share your pain with that. Moving on, another game that with a 9.5-point spread in the NFC this time. The Redskins hosting the 49ers. The 49ers almost got their first win on Sunday. Could not quite beat the Colts. Lost in overtime on a 51-yard field goal by Adam Vinatieri. The Redskins uh, coming off of a bye week here at 2-2. Two and two. I expect the Redskins to get right in this game. They went to Kansas City the last time we saw them on a Monday night. They played tough. They just couldn't get the job done. Only problem with the Redskins right now is injuries. Josh Norman's out for this game. Trent Williams uh, has got a patella issue. Not sure if he's going to be able to play in the game. That all being said, Washington is a demonstrably better team right now than the 49ers. The 49ers are playing hard. I think Kyle Shanahan's going to get that program turned around. I think there's real hope for the 49ers, but I don't think they're going to win this game. The Redskins need this game. They're, they're, in, they're at home. They're playing an inferior opponent, and they're in a division where Philadelphia is 4-1. and one. You can't let that start to get too far away from you, especially since the Redskins already lost at home to them. So I think the Redskins come out of the bye fresh and with a little sense of urgency, and I think the Redskins get the job done. I, I think... I think it's a game, too, where Jordan Reed's been dealing with injuries all year long. Maybe he's finally healthy. Maybe we see a big game out of him. So I like the Redskins to win this game. Uh, I think the Niners will cover, but I, I think the Redskins will handle business. I had the 49ers on my list of teams after Sunday's games that are better than their record suggests because right now they have not won a game. And I think at the minimum they should be like 2-3, and three. I mean, it's, it's not as bad as you think. Outside of that week one loss to the Panthers, they haven't lost a game by more than three points. 
And that's, you know, they're 0-5, and I don't want to say that, oh, yeah, it, they're not playing like an 0-5 team because if you're not an 0-5 team, you find a way to beat the Colts in overtime, to beat the Cardinals in overtime, to close out the Rams on Thursday night. But those games, they were very much in them to the end. They forced overtime a couple of different, at a couple of different points here. Kyle Shanahan's turning things around in spirit. I guess it's not really showing up in the win columns. I think that this game is going to be close as well. I think that the 49ers go out east and – I guess you could almost say this is like an audition for Kirk Cousins. Shanahan's going out there, and he's like, look, this is what you're going to be playing with next year. Remember this when it comes to time. Your contract's up at the end of the year. Come on down to San Francisco. So I think it's going to be more about that. Uh, I guess you could say Shanahan knows the system, but it's been a couple of years since he's been in, in Washington. I think that the Redskins get the win. Like you said, they're just demonstrably better. They're, they're the better team, and they can't let Philadelphia run away with the division like the way it looks like they're doing. I want Cousins to come out in a 49ers jersey to warm up just as, and just, just stare at Snyder the whole time. Um, okay, so get to the late window games. The Rams at Jacksonville. Jacksonville's favored in the game by two and a half. Jacksonville coming off of a 30-9 win over Pittsburgh. The Rams, of course, coming off a 16-10 loss to Seattle. Both teams 3-2. and two. Both teams atop their divisions. Uh, who would have thought that? The Rams and the Jaguars mm. tied or outright leading their divisions going into week six. Uh, Jacksonville, like, I actually watched the entirety of the Jacksonville-Pittsburgh game. That was where my attention was for the 1 o'clock games on Sunday. Jacksonville's offense is Leonard Fournette and nothing because they, they can't throw the ball. Blake Bortles is so bad, it's impossible to watch. But Leonard Fournette looks terrific. Uh, he scored a touchdown, at least a touchdown, in every single game this year to this point. Uh, the, the, the question for me is, can Blake Bortles avoid losing games for Jacksonville with his penchant to turn the football over? Yesterday we saw Jacksonville pick off Ben Roethlisberger five times. That pass defense is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Gibson and Church, two of the better safeties in football. Uh, Ramsey and Boye, for my money, best cornerback duo in football right now. Better than Harrison Tlaib. They, they are terrific. Uh, if you have not gotten a chance to watch Jalen Ramsey, you should. He is phenomenal in his second year out of Florida State. This is an interesting game because the Rams have shown they can throw the ball this year and they've shown that they can protect with Andrew Whitworth going to left tackle after being signed in free agency. He's been a hell of a player for them. I don't know where I'm going on this game, but I think, ah, man, I'm going to take the Rams because I just don't trust Bortles. I do not trust Bortles against a Wade Phillips defense. Uh, But Jacksonville... A lot of good things in, that, in their defense. And you died on the hill before the season. Mm-hmm. They'd be a top-five defense. You look right so far. that They have been terrific, especially against the pass. Number one in the league. Yeah, I think this is going to be a game where Jared Goff goes up against a defense, much like he did last week with the Seahawks, where he gets a couple, throws a couple of picks, doesn't get any touchdowns. And it's going to be another kind of growing pain for him. But to your point, and I said it yesterday when I was talking about waxing poetic about the Jaguars' defense, gloating maybe a little bit for dying on that hill but I also said it when I died on the hill Blake Bortles is the anchor that kills this team 95 yards he threw for 95 yards the team won 30 to 9 every like look they the defense needed to score touchdowns on back-to-back Steelers offensive drives to get to you know start pulling away like a getaway like a getaway car so like look Blake Bortles is not the answer. The Jaguars aren't going to get a high draft pick to take one of these top quarterbacks, but it's looking like there's going to be enough of them coming out 
that they're going to get a guy at some point in the middle of the first round or the second round that is going to be the guy for the future. But this defense is only as good as Blake Bortles allows it to be. And somehow they're better than Blake Bortles allows them to be. They're 3-2. and two. They beat Pittsburgh 39. They look phenomenal. And... Again, I'm struggling with this like you were because I never thought that we would be in a situation going into week six trying to decide who would win, the Jaguars or the uh, Rams, because it's such a good game. I thought we were going to be here because we're like, oh, God, how do we pick? I think we might have made fun of this game. This and the uh, the Browns and the Bears game later in the season. That game still looks like it's it's a game we can make fun of. That's on Christmas Eve, by the way, so Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Um, I'm going to go with the Jaguars on this one. I feel like maybe it's the close proximity to Tampa Bay that I feel some sort of allegiance to the Jaguars, but I'm invested. I'm, I'm in with everybody in Duval County, so let's party. Let's party, Duval. I think, I think, we, I think we might rip that as a 10-second. We might use that as a liner at the beginning of every podcast. Josh Hill is in with Duval County. Oh, man. Um, okay, look. Here, here's, here's the issue I have. Like you mentioned, Boyd Bortles, 8 of 14, 95 yards on a pick. Okay, Leonard Fournette rushed for 181 yards and two touchdowns yesterday. Now, he rushed, he rushed for 90 of that on the final carry of the game mm-hmm. when they were just running out the clock. Not, it's not taken away from the guy, but my point is Jacksonville did nothing offensively. Mm-hmm. Nothing the entire game. Even the touchdown they scored, if memory serves me right, was off of an interception. I, I think they had a short field and they scored a touchdown. The, you know, the only, the only meaningful offensive touchdown they had. I just can't put my eggs in, in Blake Bortles' basket. I can't cancel the ball. I, I watched that game and was floored. I can't believe, and we'll get to Pittsburgh here in a minute, and I have plenty to go on about them. But you pretty much know playing Jacksonville. Like the only way you're going to lose is turning the ball over because they can't move the ball for a foot. You have to stop the run and not beat yourself. And Pittsburgh at home where there's supposedly this great team not so much, but in any event, we'll get to them here in a little bit. Uh, we've got a couple more games to get to before that. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored by two on the road in the desert against the Cardinals. Cardinals coming off of a 34-7 blitzing at the hands of the Eagles. Uh, the Buccaneers, of course, coming off that tough Thursday night loss, uh, 19-14 to the Pats. But the Buccaneers laying two on the road, uh, like I always do with the Bucs, I'll let you have the floor. The Buccaneers are only going to be as good as Jameis Winston can be, okay? And we saw this on Thursday night, and it seems like a stupid cliche to be like, oh, of course, the team's only going to be as good as a franchise quarterback. But twice this year, against the Vikings and against the Patriots, the Buccaneers lost games because of Jameis Winston. And miraculously, this time, it wasn't because he threw a billion interceptions like he did against the Vikings. Three times... Snack for good with Ohio-made, all-natural, super-tender Charkey Jerky Company Beef Jerky, now featuring Killian's Vintage with limited-edition packaging designed by 12-year-old Killian, avid golfer and patient champion, Nationwide Children's Hospital. Now available at select Giant Eagle locations at the Memorial Tournament presented by Workday May 30th through June 4th and online at www.charkeyjerky.com. Proceeds of Killian's Vintage benefit Nationwide Children's Hospital and kids like Killian. He could have come back against the Vikings. It could have mounted comeback drives, including with like six minutes left to go when he threw an interception into triple coverage at the goal line. And that killed, every, that killed any kind of momentum that could get going in Minnesota. And the same thing happened on Thursday night. Blame the short week if you want to, but you're blaming the wrong thing. 
Jameis Winston overthrew Deshaun Jackson on a sideline route, which would have changed the game. He had the Patriots defense beat by at least five, 10 yards. That changes the game. Nick Folk misses field goals. JJ or uh, uh, Jameis Winston should not allow them to get into a situation in which the field goal kicker is even part of the conversation, especially with the history that the Buccaneers have had with horrible field goal kickers. To me, this is this is all on Jameis Winston. And at some point, you have to start wondering how much of this is actually on Dirk Cutter, who really the only reason he has that job is because he works so well with Jameis Winston. They're two and two. They should be four and zero right now. This is all on Jameis Winston, and I think that they bounce back against a bad Cardinals team. I know it's at home. They have to go out west to try to win, and they got blitzed there last year, but it's a different team. The Cardinals are on a slippery slope down to a very bad place, especially after last week. Um, I think it's maybe close. I think the defense gets to Jameis Winston a couple of times, but I'll leave it at this. I'll say I think the Buccaneers are going to win, but if they don't, all of a sudden, we have to have a very, very different conversation about this Buccaneers team, starting with Jameis Winston and possibly ending with Dirk Cutter. And is he the guy that's the right guy for this job? I mean, that's not, I'm not pushing the panic button here, but this should be working. We said it in the offseason. We said it all the weeks leading up to this. D- there's no reason the Buccaneers offense shouldn't be one of the best offenses in football with Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Jameis Winston, O.J. Howard. It's Doug Martin was back. They've got Jacquez Rogers back there, and somehow they score 14 points against a very bad Patriots defense at home. I think that they win on Sunday, but I'm I'm starting to get nervous about where this season's going. Uh, I'm with I'm going to take the Buccaneers. I'm not, I don't have much to add to that. Obviously, you know the Buccaneers as well as anybody. Um, I think the Buccaneers are a good team. I think Jameis is the only reason a lot of times that I get nervous with them because he just he'll throw balls that he has no business throwing. He didn't get picked off against New England if I'm correct with that but uh you know no no interceptions in that game but he, he threw a couple of balls that he very well could have been intercepted yeah. and intercepted on it that, it has to stop we talk about this every week that being said look Arizona's awful yeah Arizona and you look at the records oh they're two and three Arizona is so bad they're so lucky they're not 0-5 the only teams they've beaten are the Colts and the Niners and it took overtime <laughs> in both instances Jeez. they're horrible Ugh. And honestly, I think, and we talked about it several weeks, we don't have to go into it again, but I think that the, the window, Arizona had about a two-year window mm-hmm. where they legitimately might have been the most talented team in football. They could have won a Super Bowl. They didn't do it. And I think it's time to, to really dismantle this team in a lot of ways. Okay, Fitzgerald, Palmer, I think they're gone after this year. Uh, not that Fitzgerald can't still play, but I just think it's over. I think the, the time's come. Arians, I wouldn't be shocked. He's had some health issues. He might just walk. Uh, this, this team, they're, they're done. The offensive line's terrible. Defensively, they've got a couple of stars in Peterson and, and the Honey Badger and you know, Tyron Matthew. But, and, and, of course, Chandler Jones, who's underrated. But, you know, Marcus Golden's out for the year. They lost Calais Campbell. They lost Tony Jefferson. You, you can't replace guys like that easily. And so we've seen what's happened. But, yeah, I'll take the Bucks. I take the cover, of course, only a two-point favorite. AFC West showdown, the Chargers at the Raiders. Chargers got their first win of the year over the Giants, uh, 27-22, won at MetLife. The Raiders... Two and three on the year, lost 30-17. to 17. Expect Derek Carr to be back this week from his uh, transverse process break, which if you're wondering what that is, it's a little piece of the vertebrae. Um, he was given a two- to six-week timeline. He's going to be back after one week, so we'll see if he's fully healthy. Look, the, the Raiders are pretty much what we've said they were going to be all year long. The Raiders have a decent enough offense. The Raiders can't stop a nosebleed. They are so incredibly bad defensively. And it doesn't even, even, like, the stats don't even do it justice how bad they are. 
The Ravens almost hung 400 yards on them yesterday. The Ravens can't hang 200 yards on anybody. And they, they scored 30 points. Every, they couldn't get off the field. I'd have to look at the, what the third down conversion rate was. But again, I watched that game in the late window, and they were abysmal on third down. I should pull it up real quick here. Okay. The Ravens had a 50% conversion rate on third down. All right. The Ravens had 365 total yards. They held the ball for almost 34 minutes. Didn't turn the ball over. 19 first downs to Oakland's 15. It wasn't even so much that it was like a dominant performance by the Ravens, but the Raiders just could never make a play to get off the field. They couldn't. They had no sacks against a team that has all kinds of injuries. Um, you know, they gave up big plays, as we talked about earlier to Mike Wallace. I have never been on the Raiders bandwagon this year. Uh, I thought there was a really good chance we weren't going to make the playoffs. And I'm going to give a stat that I wrote about months ago in the Stack in the Box column, which check it out every Monday, um, on Fansided, of course. Uh, I got to throw in that plug. But look, I wrote about this in the offseason. Over the last 10 years, going into this season, there had been 33 teams that went from missing the playoffs one year to the following year having at least a four-win increase and making the playoffs. Okay, 33 teams over the past 10 years. Last year, there were four such teams, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, and the Giants. So we didn't know what they were going to do, obviously, the next year because we're seeing it right now in real time. But for the 29 teams that we had that on for what happened that next year, only 11 of them made the playoffs again. And only four of them had a better record than they did the prior year. So history suggests that at least out of the Raiders, Cowboys, Dolphins, and Giants, at least three of them aren't making the playoffs. At least two of them aren't making the playoffs. Probably three. Dallas is two and three. The Raiders are two and three. The Dolphins are two and two, but atrocious. And the Giants are 0 and five. History, when you have a good sample size, tends to tell you something. And it tells you that the Raiders last year won seven games that were decided by a field goal or less. That doesn't happen all the time. The Raiders had no injuries last year until Derek Carr missed one game at the end of the season. They were incredibly healthy. Well, here's the problem right now for the Raiders. They're not incredibly healthy right now. Obi Malafanu, second-round pick, safety out of UConn, he's on IR. Garon Conley, first-round pick the corner, he's been hurt all year long with the shin injuries, okay? Sebastian Janikowski, he's on IR right now, but their kicking has not been a problem to, to their credit. Derek Carr, of course, misses a game. Amari Cooper's been healthy, but Amari Cooper he's basically in witness protection right now. Amari Cooper, through five games this year, has 13 catches for 118 yards, and he has seven drops. Amari Cooper's on pace to have 400 yards receiving. Marshawn Lynch, 194 yards rushing on 3.4 yards in attempt. He doesn't have one run over 20 yards. His two touchdowns. They've been bad offensively. They've been worse defensively. They don't have one receiver on pace for 1,000 yards. They, have, they do not have one interception this season. They don't have one. They've played the Titans. They've played the Jets. They've played the Broncos. They've played the Ravens. And they've played the Redskins. Other than Kirk Cousins, those other four quarterbacks, nobody's, nobody's accusing any of them of being above average this year. They have no interceptions. And they have, let's see how many sacks. They have 10, they have 10 sacks. Not going to win too many games. And now they play the Chargers. Who look, I'm not a big Chargers fan. Uh, I think they just find ways to lose games. But the Chargers can score points. So I'm very intrigued by this. By the way, the line on this game, not out yet because we don't know what's going on with Derek Carr. But I think the Chargers have a real chance to win. 
I would not be shocked if they went in and beat the Raiders in Oakland. I, the, the only thing that I have to say about the Chargers is that defense, I, I go back and forth on thinking that it's going to be all right because you got Ingram and you got Bosa, and I think that they could be two of the really good anchors on that defense, two really great defenders in the AFC. But, I mean, the New York Giants, they, their offense is horrible. We've seen it just be putrid for the first five weeks. And basically everybody that, that Eli Manning threw the ball to broke a bone yesterday, and somehow they almost won the game. I understand that the Chargers were coming over from L.A. to New York, and you got the coast-to-coast cliche, whatever. But Eli Manning was throwing to a tackling dummy, and they still almost won. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what to think about the Chargers other than they're just, they're, they don't have it this year. It's intriguing to me that Derek Carr not playing could swing this in the Chargers' favor just because you never know what you're going to get out of Phillip Rivers, especially against that secondary. We saw Joe Flacco go nuts against it. Phillip Rivers, it's not like he's playing this defense for the first time. He knows what he's doing, and he usually has a couple of good games in a year where he'll go for like 400 yards or something like that, and he'll have a bunch of touchdowns, and I think maybe that that happens this week. It's a division foe. They want to bury the Raiders. They know that they can. And the secondary is just a giant question mark for me. And it ha- has been for weeks on end. Um, I'm going to go with the Raiders. I went with them against Baltimore, and I was wrong. I'm going to go with the Raiders again because it's at home. I don't believe in the Chargers. I think that that defense has got a lot of questions. But I would not be surprised if this game was coming down to the kicking game that you were talking about with the Chargers and the question marks that they have there and the solid you know, kicker that the Raiders have. But I've, I've got Oakland in this one. I'm going to take the Raiders very tepidly, mm-hmm. obviously from what I just said, and I, I feel like I rambled for about five minutes about how I feel about the Raiders. But, look, I'm going to take them because they're at home, because I think Carr's going to play, and because they're desperate. If they lose this game, they're Oof. in last place in the AFC West. Oof. Think about that. And i and I, I got to tell you, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs even if they win the game. You look at their schedule. they got to play Denver again. Granted, it's at home. they got to play the Chiefs twice. They've, and, that, and the Arrowhead game is in December. Good luck. They've got Philadelphia at Philly on Christmas night. Have fun with that game. They play the Patriots in what's technically a home game in Mexico. They, get, they still have to play at the Bills. Uh, you look at their schedule. They've got to play Dallas later in the year. It's at home. Sunday night game in December. I, I, think, I think if the Raiders make the playoffs, they're a sixth seed. But... Honestly, I think that would be more about the rest of the AFC being bad than it would be about the Raiders being good. And I think they'll get hammered in the first round of the playoffs. Del Rio, to me, is an average coach. The defense is terrible. The offense has real problems. Don't forget, they changed offensive coordinators. Uh, it's been a struggle. I'll take the Raiders to win because I don't believe in the Chargers more than anything else. But I think the Chargers are going to score 30 points in this game. And I think if the Raiders' offense can't get it on, on track, look out. Okay? So, moving on to the best team in the AFC West – Investing in football right now. Mm-hmm. Kansas City, Chiefs are 5-0. They just beat the Texans 42-34. Alex Smith threw for 324 yards and three touchdowns in a world that I'm starting to believe is, is, a, is a fictional land. The Steelers, of course, we already talked about, they lost 30-9 at home to Jacksonville. The Steelers come in 3-2. The Chiefs are 5-0. This, of course, a rematch of the AFC Divisional game last year. Chiefs lost 18-16. to Steelers kicked six field goals in the game. The Chiefs are favored by four points. Now, I'm going to just be honest about this. Look, I, Pittsburgh, to me, of any AFC team, is the worst matchup for the Chiefs because the Chiefs do struggle sometimes with run defense. We know what Le'Veon Bell can do. Okay, 
The Steelers like to go vertical. The Chiefs typically, although they gave a couple of big plays against Houston, typically they're good deep down the field. But they've not been so far this year. So Brown and Bryant, I could see getting loose. Now the Steelers can't complete a pass down the field. I think Roethlisberger going into Sunday was 4 of 20 on throws over 20 yards. Uh, and, he was, and he was abysmal yesterday in that department. So the Steelers have had real problems. Arrowhead is going to be keyed up like none other for this game. They want revenge. They're 5-0. and And if the Chiefs beat Pittsburgh, just think about this for a minute. Let's assume that the Pats win. Let's even assume that the Raiders win. If the Chiefs beat the Steelers, the Chiefs would be three up on Houston with a tiebreaker. They'd be three up on Pittsburgh with a tiebreaker. They'd be two up on New England with a tiebreaker. They'd be three up on Oakland with two games to play against them. They'd be a game and a half up on Denver, which would be the only team even near them. The Chiefs would be beyond in the driver's seat for a bye week in the playoffs and, frankly, the one seed. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs to win the game strictly because right now they're the best offensive team in football. They've scored more points than anybody else. Uh, Travis Kelsey's in the concussion protocol. That's a big deal. But apparently, from what Andy Reid has said in his presser, he's okay. He just has to go through the steps. Tyreek Hill, he's been electric. Kareem Hunt, you could argue, is MVP of the league right now. He ran for 107 yards again last night. Uh, I don't think Pittsburgh can stop the Chiefs. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't think Pittsburgh can stop Alex Smith. Alex Smith has been (laughs) unbelievable. And anybody who knows me, who's read my stuff, knows I (laughs) criticize him to no end. Alex Smith right now has been absolutely unstoppable through five weeks in the year. He's thrown for 1,391 yards, 11 touchdowns, no picks. He's completing 76.6% of his throws, and that's leading the league by over 5%. Now, you'd say to yourself, typically, well, that's because he checks down all the time. He's leading the league in yards per attempt at 8.8 yards an attempt. I don't know what else to say. The Chiefs are rushing for almost six yards a clip as a team, Kareem Hunt is 609 yards. He's got seven runs of more than 20 yards. He's got four touchdowns. Offensively in the passing game, Tyreek Hill has 356 yards. See, he's on pace for over 1,000. Travis Kelsey has 353 yards. He's on pace for over 1,000. Chris Connolly, unfortunately, lost for the year with a torn Achilles. But the rest of this team, absolutely rolling. Justin Houston has five and a half sacks in five games. And they've been hurt. Eric Berry's been out for the whole year. He will continue to be, of course, with the Achilles. I'll leave it at that. But right now, the Steelers are struggling. The Chiefs are anything but. And they're at home in this game. And they want revenge. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I wrote about How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. For fans sided after the Sunday night game, that I just don't think that the Chiefs are going to lose a game this year. Like I know that that's that's a pretty outrageous, scandalous thing. Let's well, let's not go nuts. But you they're going to lose a game this year. But I don't think it's <laughs> going to be on Sunday. But I mean, I, the, the point the point was that the Chief, for a franchise that, from everything I've heard from all the Chiefs fans I work with, specifically you and your pain, the, 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 this, pain. this shouldn't be happening. This, this is just, it doesn't make any sense. There's no logical reason to why the Chiefs are this good. It's as though all of the years of having to recite all of those quarterbacks you've ever had to recite, like Rain Man counting toothpicks, you have all of a sudden a team that Alex Smith and the offense will beat you. And if they don't beat you, Justin Houston and Marcus Peters and the defense will beat you. And then if both of those entities are struggling, Dave Tobe and the special teams unit will just score 14 points a game. And, you know, it's just, it's incredible. They're, they're, they're literally the most complete team 
that I've seen through five weeks, and this is going back a couple of years. I mean, I can't remember a time when we've been five weeks into the season and just seen either minimal or no flaws whatsoever. And a team that historically has always, if something has been able to go wrong for the Chiefs, it has gone wrong. And there's been situations this season where you're like, oh, yeah, maybe this gets out of hand, like the Washington game on Monday night or, you know, the, the nerves going into the first week against New England, and somehow they figure it out. And they're sitting here in 5-0, and and you take a look at the schedule. They got the Steelers. That's a win. The Raiders, you know, they own the Raiders even when the Raiders are good. Denver, that's a tough game. The Cowboys in that defense, I don't know. The Giants, they stink. The Bills, who knows where they're going to be. The Jets, that maybe is a trap game. But the Chiefs, wow. I mean, for a team that's been so heartbreaking for so long i hate to say it but you know at what point is the heartbreak going to come do they want to get it out of the way now or do they want to just wait until you know the first round of the playoffs and they get yeah. beat at arrowhead listen listen and that could happen okay <laughs> i've been through enough years of my life rooting for this team where I've, I've seen them go 13 and 3 and lose because they can't hit a field goal or they can't score a point and they you know, it, it's happened but i will also say this and it's early and it's five weeks into the year i'm 29 years old i've been watching them for 25 years Without question, this is the best team they've ever had in my mm-hmm. lifetime. This team, and I and I say it to my my dad all the time. I grew up a Chief fan as well. Look, this team, uh, they can beat you any way you want to play, and that's something the Chiefs have never been able to do. It's always been they have to keep the scores low. They've got to grind it out. They've got to run the ball. The Chiefs right now can play you any way you want to play. Mm-hmm. And light you up, and it doesn't seem to matter. They can they run the ball at will. They they can throw the ball over the field, and you look right now like at Pittsburgh. Look, Le'Veon Bell has 371 rushing yards. He's on pace for a thousand yards. Kareem Hunt has well like he's he has almost 300 yards more than than Le'Veon Bell does right now. Antonio Brown has 545 receiving yards. He's incredible. He's on pace for almost 1700 yards. Right, but beyond him. The next highest guy is Martavis Bryant with 204. Mm. Like, Martavis Bryant's basically having a year like Chris Connolly was having before he got hurt. There's nothing against Chris Connolly, but, you know, Chris Connolly and the Chiefs is what, their fourth best weapon, their fifth best weapon? So, you know, you look at, and then after that, it's Juju Schmidt-Schuster with 160 yards. Okay. I mean, Alex Smith has thrown for more yardage than Ben Roethlisberger has. And Ben Roethlisberger has thrown the ball 100. Ben Roethlisberger has thrown the ball 195 times. And he's thrown for 1,269 yards. Okay. Alex Smith has thrown the ball 158 times and has thrown the ball for 1,391 yards. The Chiefs have five guys in receiving over 150 yards. Alex Smith has already rushed for 108 yards. So listen, we'll leave it at that. I am taking the Chiefs in this game. They are the most complete team in football. And right now, quite honestly, they are the best team in football by a wide margin. It's not even close. And I, don't, and I don't even think they've come near reaching their peak yet. They've had so many injuries, and they're expecting a lot of guys to get back. So I'll take the Chiefs uh, to cover the four points. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to be amped up to prove a point in this game. And I think Pittsburgh right now is just reeling. Pittsburgh looks awful. And I think that this is a time, too, where football fans in general should just get on board with the Chiefs. So, you know, we had all of these years where it's New England wins, and you've got Pittsburgh and Indianapolis and – it's just been the same teams over and over and over again, and it's, it's to be a tired thing. It's not necessarily a situation like it is in the NBA where everybody's trying to beat the Warriors and you're just trying to see how that happens. But I think if you're a fan of football and you want to see something new and you want a young, fun, exciting team to just shake up the league, it's not Carolina, it's not you know Oakland, 
it's Kansas City. They have a real legitimate shot to take this thing all the way. And I think now is the time for football fans to get on to, you know, watch the Chiefs deliver us from evil, you know, from the, all these years of the Patriots' dominance. I think that that ends conveniently when the Chiefs are now coming on the rise. And I don't think this is the start of a new dynasty for Kansas City or anything like that. But I think that as an average football fan, get on board with the Chiefs now because it is exciting and it's fun to watch. So that's, you know, now's the time. Yeah. I mean, wrap it up with this. Listen, they, they have all this. And Patrick Mahomes, who, who looked like Johnny Unitas <laughs> reincarnated in the preseason, is just sitting there waiting to play. All their best players, all of them, other than Alex Smith right now, who, again, they have Mahomes waiting behind him, are like 24, 20. Kelsey's the elder statesman. I think he's 28. They are. It's a good time to root for them, which is something I never thought I'd say. Okay, getting to the Sunday night game, we can make this quick because I don't think there's a lot to parse here. Giants are at Denver. Denver's an 11.5-point favorite, biggest favorite of the week, coming off a bye at home, very healthy. Uh, I expect the Broncos to kill the Giants, frankly. I, I think the Giants actually, I think defensively can hang in this game because I do think they can really cause problems for Denver from the standpoint they can cover. Uh, I don't think Simeon's going to do anything crazy here. But I, when I say the Giants may not score a point, like, I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. The Giants may literally not score a point this game. So I think Denver's going to win. Uh, I, think the, I think the Giants will cover because I think it's going to be like 16-6 to 6 or something. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty ugly game. But the, the Broncos are going to win. The, the Broncos are, are clearly the better team, and they're at home where they don't lose, and they're coming off a bye. So I think, I think the Broncos roll. I think the Broncos roll too, and I think you know a hill that I could die on this week is going to be that next week after the Giants lose on Sunday night, that's when the conversation about Ben McAdoo's job is going to go full swing. I mean, he might be a guy who doesn't make it to the end of the year. He's going to be 0-6 in New York. That media hates teams when they're good. So imagine what it's like being 0-6 in New York. Eli Manning, I, I think that you start to have to ask serious questions about what's next for him. Does he retire? Does, do the Giants trade him? Do they bring in a young – I mean, they're going to draft a quarterback high, and if they don't, my God, they better contract the franchise because they don't know what they're doing. But you're going to have real questions about the Giants. Where do they go from here? What's up with the Odell Beckham contract situation? Do the Giants try to lowball him because of this injury? Like, well, what's, what's going on there? So – Right. You know, I, I know you wanted to keep that one short, but no, it's fine. To, to, to uh, me, yeah. the Giants, I don't know what's going on there. They're, they're the most fascinating team to me in football because it's literally like watching a train wreck that just somehow it keeps like cycling back onto the track and falling off, and you don't know what's happening. So they're going to get blitzed by Denver, yeah. and Ben McAdoo, I don't, I, the hill that I'll die on is that he's not going to make it to the end of the year. I think that they get rid of him before the end of the year because they, they almost have to. I might be with you. I might jo- join you on that hill. It, it's bad. Plus, plus, he kind of looks like an extra from the Sopranos right now with that haircut. Yeah, go work uh, for the Gambino family. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, you know, sanitation's always, uh, always a hot item in New Jersey. Um, but I'll, uh, being an Italian from that area, I'll leave that alone. Um, okay, so final game of the week no line on it yet uh because marks Mariota, we don't know if he's playing or not indianapolis playing in tennessee on monday night that's a game that if Mariota doesn't play and you might claw your eyes out um i don't, I don't know what there's to say about this uh <laughs> you know sometimes as an nfl analyst here we, we both do our homework we both put a lot of time and work in but sometimes you just don't know what the heck you're gonna see <sighs> and this this is one of those times jacoby Brissett, he's not that good Matt Castle, he's terrible. Brandon Whedon, even more terrible. Marks Mariota, he's been terrible this season in a large chunk of the games. I think Tennessee's going to win because I think Indianapolis stinks without Andrew Luck. Games in Tennessee. Tennessee's coming off a horrible game. But I'm going to tell you, Indianapolis might be better than Miami. And Miami just beat them with 96 <laughs> passing yards. So 
I'm going to take the Titans because they're at home, and I think you know there's a chance Mariota to plays. So give me the Titans, but but I'll tell you, I don't know what to say. I, I will say this though, in all seriousness, both those teams are one game back in the mm-hmm. South. Like it's not like they're they're teams that we can't talk about. They're one game out of their divisional leads, and Andrew Luck is practicing. Like if Andrew Luck could ever come back and play, like we, you don't think they have a shot to win that division? Tennessee looks hideous. And we don't know what's going on with Mariota. He gets just hurt every year for a month. Okay, Houston just lost its two best defensive players, with all due respect mm-hmm. to Jadavian Clowney. And Jacksonville has a terrific defense, but they have Blake Bortles. So, and, and by the way, let me just throw this out there. Whoever wins that division is going to be the four seed this year. Okay. <laughs> and in all likelihood, Denver is going to be the five seed, <laughs> uh, although, uh, by, uh, unless something yeah. horrible happens and somehow the Chiefs are. And I would, I would submit... If it's Denver, which again it probably is going to be, that is going to be. Denver's defense may not give up a hundred yards in those games, so just just keep that in mind. But that's another topic for another day. But I'll take I'll take Tennessee. It's uh it's going to be the Jaguars winning the division because I'm all in on Duval County. Blake Bortles against Denver's secondary. Like it's going to be a retribution for that AFC championship or that AFC divisional game, whatever. They just, oh yeah, the Jaguars. <laughs> Uh, which, by the way, I remember watching it. It was the greatest game of my life. It didn't involve the Chiefs. But, you know, what? I, can you imagine? Like, they, would, they would play the wing tee in that game with Leonard Fournette. I don't, I'm not kidding. I don't think Doug Marone would throw the ball in that game. It would basically just be, here's a nine-man offensive line, Fournette and Bortles, and we're just, here it comes. I don't uh, even think they go Bortles. Just run Fournette out of the wildcat the whole just, game. Just get an extra defender on the field. Get a blocker on the field. I mean, it would be... That would be unbelievable. And if Jacksonville won that game, I think there'd be mass resignation coming out of Denver. But in any event, Titans, Colts, who you got? I'm, I'm going to take the Titans just because the Colts, they're, they're awful. But this reminds me of a couple of years ago when the Giants and the Vikings played on Monday Night Football, and it was basically a funeral the whole game. It was, a tor- it was like torture. It was like getting waterboarded the whole game, just watching Josh Freeman I was and the say, Vikings. Is that the Josh Freeman game? That's the infamous Josh that Freeman game. Vikings game. I think that was like his la- the last start of his career. Oh, it was. I think, and frankly, after watching it, they were right to do so. It was over. Yeah, so that rem- it reminds me of that because it's just going to be the Jacoby Brissett versus probably the Matt Castle show, and it's going to be – you know, have fun, have fun listening to John Gruden try to sound excited about that. There's going to be a lot of uh, Y2 spider banana or whatever the hell going on there. <laughs> so I've, I've, got, I've got the Titans because if they lose, you know, we talked about how there has to be a conversation about McAdoo in, in New York. Malarkey came to power in Tennessee for a lot of the same reasons McAdoo did. And for, you know, all intents and purposes, Cutter did in Tampa Bay because they're willing to work with the quarterback they want the continuity and they're riding that out and i think if they lose there's big time questions about malarkey and his future there so there's a lot riding on the line thankfully they're playing the colts so yeah they're, I, they're gonna win i think they get it done i agree with you on all counts that is it for us as we've gone through all the games of week six touched on everything that happened in week five hopefully you enjoyed it if you did please rate the podcast please subscribe on itunes stacking the box uh, we can't thank you enough. The response has been terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really hope that you uh, enjoy it each and every week. I know we do. Uh, now I am going to put this thing through the ringer, set it up so you have it uh, fairly soon. If you're listening, obviously you already have it. But I'm going to set it up, and then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to clean up my infant daughter who is probably spitting up and, <laughs> and belching all of herself as she eats every hour on the hour um, like a savage. Okay, so for Josh Hill – I am Matt Verderam. Enjoy week six in the NFL. Unbelievably already approaching the midway point, only a few weeks away. Hopefully your team's playing well, and if not, hopefully your fantasy team's doing good. 
<laughs> Take care. We'll talk to you next Monday. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. You know me. I'm a huge football fan, but it can be stressful for us super fans. So Progressive is going to help take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how your team threw the wrong ball on the wrong net, just think about how Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Well, hope this distraction about Progressive's Home Court Explorer was helpful. It sure helped me from stressing about my team for a bit. Anyway, go sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.